Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. We're broadcasting across the world from Hollywood Boulevard in California, right in the middle of Silicon Beach, the third most important center for entrepreneurs, incubators, and accelerators in the world. I want to thank everybody for your great support for my 250th show last week. It was fantastic, and a thank you to Mark Schulman for um, a great interview. I really appreciate everybody's support. Now, retailers must understand Generation Z, the teen generation. They, the teens, are the future of retail. They're coming up and they uh, have a lot of disposable income. Ernst and Young say teens are millennials on steroids. Here are some crucial facts that Ernst and Young found. Teens are even more frugal than millennials but they're frugal in a different way. Millennials are frugal and careful with their money. Generation Z isn't just frugal, they're out to find the very best value, looking beyond price to things like free delivery and what other services come along with that. The second reason that that they're different is because Generation Z doesn't shop online as much as millennials. Now, 49% of teens shop online once a month, compared with 74%, almost twice as many, for millennials. But one thing to keep in mind here is that most Generation Zs don't have a credit card yet, therefore they can't buy much online because they simply don't have the money available. Teens shop online for efficiency purposes. 63% of Generation Zs shop online because it saves time compared to 55% of Millennials. So Generation Zs are more time conscious. 53% of Generation Zs believe online selection is better compared with only 44% of Millennials. And 50% of teens believe prices are lower online compared with 41% of millennials. Generation Z shops shop in stores because, because, because they have a problem. So Generation Z go to physical stores because it's functional and 58% want to see and feel the product. 50% want to avoid shipping costs 43% want the product faster and 17% shop online because a shop in store because they don't have a credit card yet. Teens go to a store because they have a need, whether it's to browse or they don't know what they want or they're not sure about the size of clothing they're going to buy or whatever, but it's always for a reason. Next one is that millennials care more about bargains than do teens. 
uh, millennials care more about price than teens, and that's been borne out by the first couple of findings. 67% would go to the website to get a coupon, where only 46% of teenagers would do the same. So millennials seem to be more careful with their money, and Generation Z want a lot more for it. Millennials are more attuned to ads. 71% of millennials said that they saw an ad online for a store before they made a purchase. And only 59% of teens said the same. 59% of millennials said they'd received an alert from a shopping app before purchasing, compared with 38% of teens. Again, millennials seem more frugal and teens are out looking for a lot more. More millennials ask for help and use online customer service than do teens. 60% of millennials would speak with a sales associate before making a store purchase, compared with only 47% of Generation Z. They seem to be a lot more decisive in what they want to buy, don't they, Generation Zs? 49% of millennials would use a live chat before making a purchase, so they'd get on, they'd ask other people, they'd find out, whereas only 24% of Generation Zs would say they seem to be more independent, have a better idea of what they're looking for, and are pretty decisive about buying it. Teenagers care more about experiences, so Generation Zs hate feeling like they're disrespected. So shopping in a clothing store could be a turn-off because often dressing rooms are locked and you're given a number, you know, they give you those bloody big numbers for the number of items you try on. All of those things are really saying, we don't trust you, but then they don't trust anybody else, so it's only just not teens. Um Another finding was that millennials are more tolerant than teens. Now, you'd think that that follows from the other things that we've found. Um, millennials will give second chances if something goes wrong. Generation Z does not give second chances. Either it works or they're onto something else. Another one of the findings was that millennials have brand loyalty and teenagers do not. Millennials have a little bit of loyalty to different brands or places that they've shopped, but Generation Z really, really doesn't give us stuff. Last one, teens influence their parents' spending a lot more than millennials. Teens are asking their parents, how much are you going to pay for that, for example, and we don't see that behaviour with millennials. So retailers have got to understand that the needs of Generation Z, because they've got the highest expectations, they want better service, they're not quite so price conscious, but they want to know what else they go that goes with it, and those things like service will get them over the line. And if you do the right thing by Generation Z, then you're going to please everybody, every segment of the population. So that's interesting. Um, nothing, I guess, I didn't know. Having a, a son who's a millennial and knowing some kids who are um, teens, it all makes sense. I agree. Um, 
now to my uh, entrepreneur of the week. Alexi Nazem was so frustrated trying to find freelance work as a physician before he realized that he was signing up for a nearly a year-long process. So he got jack of that and he founded a company to make it a lot easier. When Alexi first tried to get freelance work as a physician, he found it was very hard and very frustrating. It took him actually 10 months from the time that he initiated his search to the time that he actually worked the first day of a locum job. Most of the time was wasted going backwards and forth with a broker and filling out paperwork, including a 94-page paper application that had to be filled out by hand and mailed in. That's when um, Alexi thought, okay, there has got to be a much better solution. So Alexi founded Nomad Health, an online platform that connects doctors and hospitals without a middleman, and I'm all for that. So his startup aims to eliminate the brokers in these types of transactions, which are time-consuming and expensive. When a healthcare facility has available freelance work, it has to pay a broker fee of between 30 and 40% commission on top of what they're paying the doctors. Doctors aren't cheap, so if they're paying the doctors 100 grand, they've got to pay 40,000 in commission just for somebody to place them in a job. Now, Nomad Health is still in beta and is only available in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and Massachusetts, but they've just raised $4 million in Series A funding, so all of that will change. They want to go from being a really exciting concept to being something that's truly valuable to hospitals, to clinics, and to clinicians that serve them and their patients. This is a necessary and obviously a great step forward in healthcare. So Alexi Nazem is our Entrepreneur of the Week. We've often talked on this program about the big discrepancies in technology companies uh, uh, with equal wages, equal employment opportunities, um, number of seats on technology boards, and we've been pretty critical well, Apple now pays all U.S. employees equally, irregardless of gender or race. Apple released an updated diversity report saying it has achieved pay equity in the U.S. for people in similar roles and performance. Apple looked at total compensation for all American employees and closed every gap they found. Currently, it's analysing the salaries, bonuses and annual stock grants of employees around the world and plans to immediately address any gaps. Now, this is a huge step forward for Silicon Valley companies who have long been criticised for being underrepresented by women on company boards and in, in salaries. And the diversity port report also says that Apple has been hiring more women and underrepresented minorities. Currently, the company still has a majority of men and a majority of white people. Women make up 32% of Apple's employees and white people make up 56% of employees. According to the report, 37% of Apple's new hires are women 
and 27% are underrepresented minorities. That's 74% of people now um, that are hired are either women or underrepresented minorities. That's great. Now, most new hires are people of colour, as 54% of Apple's new hires are minorities. All good. However, (laughs) there's always a downside, isn't there? Despite all of the discussion and the so-called enlightenment of tech companies, women currently represent just 7% of board members of tech companies. The same percentages were the case in 2014, so they've got nowhere in the last two years. Now, the representation by women on Fortune 500 boards has increased to 10%. However, 10% is still bloody pathetic. To think we could have a woman president in three months, but we still don't believe women are capable of being decision makers in corporations is even more pathetic. It's ridiculous. You're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show and Voice America Business this week from Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California, in the middle of Silicon Beach where technology meets entertainment. And we're here to assist entrepreneurs to become successful. So if you've got a question about any aspect of business whatsoever, please don't hesitate to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and we'll answer it either on air or we'll email you directly. Or I might even call you up and talk to you about it. We often speak on this show about the need to have mentors. Mentors are absolutely bloody critical to everyone in business. So I thought it was interesting during the week when Apple CEO Tim Cook named five people that he frequently goes to for advice. Firstly, can you imagine having Warren Buffett as your financial advisor? Well, Tim thinks he's the natural person on financial matters, and you'd have to agree with that. Cook says he tries to go through that process on every issue that Apple or he faces. So you get the best person available for the job. The second one of Cook's mentors is Bill Clinton, US president from 93,000 through 2001. Now, he uses Clinton for advice on political matters, It's very difficult for a CEO, even if you are Tim Cook, to navigate the difficult waters of two-party politics and all the committees and the hearings and all the rest of the things. So Bill Clinton seems like a pretty good choice. The third mentor used by Tim Cook is Lloyd Blankfein, CEO of Goldman Sachs. Another pretty good choice. Now, Tim knows Lloyd and thought he'd be honest with him, plus He has almost unequal experience. Tim Cook's fourth mentor is a bit of a surprise. It's Lorene Powell Jobs, the founder of Emerson Collective and actually Steve Jobs' widow. Cook says Lorene has the lens of knowing him and at the same time deeply understanding Apple. The fifth mentor is Anderson Cooper, who is the CNN anchor. Tim Cook, as you know, came publicly came out as gay in 2014, becoming the openly, first openly gay Fortune 500 CEO. But before he came out, he consulted with CNN anchor Anderson Cooper, who had come out earlier. 
So you might not be able to get mentors quite in that league, but it does illustrate no matter how big you are, you need mentors. And it also illustrates how important mentors are to any good business. So make sure you subscribe to my daily newsletter, which is sent out to over 16,000 business executives in over 60 countries every single day. It's just a 30-second read. It's half a page, 30-second read, something that any entrepreneur or any business executive should know that day. And on my new website, bobpritchard.com, you'll see a new page called the Bob Pritchard Success Pathway, which is designed to assist international entrepreneurs. So if you're in England or Germany or Australia or New Zealand and uh, you want to get into the United States or if you're in the United States and you'd like to um, spread your wings overseas or develop your market in the US, go to the Bob Pritchard Success Pathway and uh, you know we've established some fantastic global partnerships and we will look after you. My guest today is Bradley Moore. And Bradley's the CEO of Fundamental Applications Corporation, and they design, develop, market, and acquire innovative mobile applications for college students. I think this is a bloody great idea. Bradley's established a proven track record of restructuring and developing early-stage businesses. So for an entrepreneurial business show, he is one of us. And I'll be back with Bradley's story immediately after this short break on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show, where over the past five years, we've given you insights into the lives of over about 280, I think, of the world's most interesting business people. We talk about what they do, but more importantly, we try to find out what the hell it is that makes them tick. You know, 95% or more of all businesses today fail, and obviously the ones we talk to are the ones that succeed. So we want to know what is it that they do that most people that start up new businesses don't do. It's it's extremely difficult to create a successful business and we all need all the help that we can get and that's why it's so important 
to listen to interviews like these, glean what you can, buy um, biographies of successful people and get mentors. Surround yourself by people that know what the fuck they're doing and not just people who say yes or no or, you know, get people that are experienced. Everybody in business faces the same challenges. It doesn't matter whether you open an ice cream parlor on the corner or develop an app. You know, everybody thinks that their product's going to have people beating paths to their door. And most entrepreneurs are experts at what they do. But the majority of businesses fail, not because the product isn't any good, but it's because they don't have all the rest of the disciplines in line to make a business successful. So that's why it's critical we follow, observe, and listen to those who have overcome the challenges that we all face. Now, my guest today, Bradley Moore, he's been around a long time, has been successful for a long time and faced lots of challenges, and he's the CEO of Fundamental Applications Corporation, and they design, develop, market, and acquire innovative mobile applications for college students, and that is a huge business. And prior to joining Fundamental Applications, he was the Chief Revenue Officer at Agreement Express Inc. You know, he's one of those people that ring you up and pester you for the money that you owe or something like that. Um, And throughout his career, (laughs) Bradley's established a proven track record of restructuring and developing early stage businesses. And that is difficult. Brad, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Thanks, Bob. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Now, what is Fundamental Applications Corporation? So Fundamental Applications Corp. is what we call an app incubator. Um, What we do is is we go out and we find great, cool products, great apps that we think will help us um, provide value and a lot of fun and interest and engagement for university students. And that's primarily that 17 to 20 to 24-year-old range. Right. we, we grab those products. Sometimes they're finished. Sometimes they have users. We, uh, we patch them in a way that makes sense to us for our, our uh, target base, and we take them to market, and we get people to come in, and kids come in and start engaging and then join them. And, and then ultimately down the road is we have mechanisms for creating monetization from those apps. Okay, so um, a, a kid or anybody develops an app, takes it to yep. you, and you think, wow, that fits our our target market. That's something they'd be interested in. So do you acquire those at that point or do you do joint ventures with whoever the developer is or how do you, how do you do that? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a great question. So, you know, it, it, every scenario is a little bit different. Sure. You know, if, if I had, if I had 20 apps, I could, I could probably have 20 different stores, but what I can tell you is off the four or sorry, the three primary ones we have. And as you probably saw in the news release were, uh, we just signed a letter of intent to acquire OpenIt. Yeah. Um, what we generally do is is we will come in and we'll look we'll, we'll look at the stage of development the apps in, and we've got a great development team. Um, they have a, a a very structured mechanism for working and turning these products around and out the door in a great way. And so a lot of times, you know, uh, th- these guys they're put it this way, well, they're selling the app because they want to be involved, but they don't want to do it necessarily do it anymore, right? So there is generally a level of engagement. 
sometimes they stick with us for a certain amount of times, but you know, at the end of it, we have our business direction. And, and so if there's fit there, they stay. And if not, they, you know, I like to think they take their money and they go do something else cool. Yeah. Because it's hard, isn't it? I mean, it's, if you're, um, an independent, for example, and you develop an app, your chances of getting that out there and getting exposure and getting it picked up and, and driving that as a business, it must yeah. be, the odds must be astronomical against you succeeding. Yeah, you know, Bob, that's a, that's, that's a really excellent point. I think it's, you know, I, I've had, I've been fortunate enough to listen to uh, your radio shows and it was interesting. I was listening to the last one and that, that, you know, that, that failure rate is so incredibly high. And, you know, on the Apple store alone, there's 1.9 million apps yep. that are out there. And, and it's, you know, as you said, I've been around a long time in 95, I started in the internet industry and I used to tell people, say, listen, having a website, even back then, it's t- like taking a bar of gold and throwing it in the Pacific ocean. It might be a bar of gold, but it's in the Pacific ocean. So who knows about it? What are you doing? How are you commercializing it? Right. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. And so, um, it's really about business is business and business is truly about creating awareness and a need and a want and, and keeping people engaged and whether it's an app, um, a car or, you know, a, a bar. So there's certain basic fundamentals that have to be executed on. And if you've never done that before, it's tough. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's tough if you have done it before. With four or what, it, yeah, at least, you know, as I like to say that, that you know, that the coolest part of my body is all the, the wet marks on my back because that's, that's yeah. all the scar tissue is, right? Yeah. Um, and, 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 and interestingly enough with the whole thing, what, what I generally try to find is, 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 is things that apps and solutions, people and products that provide us um, – that, that fit our model, which we know that works. And so, for example, 4.0 Technologies, when my team came in in February, we took it over, had 8,000 users. By mid-May, we were actually the number two lifestyle app in India. Wow. Uh, amongst university students, right? And so, you know, there's still 1.9 million apps on that Apple store. So 4.0 was, like I said, it was the number two lifestyle app in India. And, you know, we've grown that app from 8,500 users over, actually, I believe we got it done in four months, the 50,000 users. And that, that was from good business practice, you know, and, and, um, I like to think what I learned in my MBA isn't any different than what a lot of people learned in their MBA 50 years ago. Business is business has to be executed a certain way. And, you know, we, we, we take a very ROI, uh, driven approach to everything. Yep. Um, and, you know, I'd like to think because of that very logical step-by-step approach, I'd like to call it the, uh, we're the money ball of the app industry. And, you know, we just, we worry about getting people on base and moving, moving the users and the progression of the company. And, and that seemed to work for us so far. While we're talking about apps, um, yes, sir. You keep reading, well, I keep reading that um, things like Viv, um, etc., are going to replace apps. In fact, I think I read a couple of days ago that in a year or two's time, there won't be any such thing as an app. Um, mm-hmm. It'll all be cloud How does that affect your business? I guess it doesn't really. It's just a different means of delivery. Is that right? Yeah, one hundred percent. And and so the, the 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 analogy that that I give, and probably that uh, I think yourself and a lot of our listeners can really relate to, is 
think about it this way. If Fundamental was a mall company, we'd be the property owners. And inside each property owner, there would be, um, there would be a whole bunch of retailers. And each one of those retailers are my apps. My job is fundamental is I use the different retailers and the polls to get those users inside. What we really care about is the people, um, how the mechanism, how that happened is going to change. You know, it's kind of like, uh, if you try to constantly chase technology and win your business on technology, that's a tough way to go, right? Um, sure is. You know, yeah. Look at look at look at Apple, right? Apple's a brand. You don't ever, you know, iOS isn't a brand. Their operating system. Yeah. Conversely, Android, which is Google's operating system, and 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 a lot of other places, it's actually a brand. It is a brand. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so one of, we have a very cool image on our uh, 40.com website. Um, it's actually of a whole row of university seats. And it's kind of, you know, from uh, you're looking at it down the row. So there's yes. 500 and I had a graphic artist guy. He embedded the logo 40 on the back of each seat. Because what I really care about, Miss Bob, is I care about those people that are sitting in there yeah. and what they can do. And so how I engage them when I do is going to change the important component i just need to be the name that they associate with great engagement right got it now um one of your applications which you just mentioned for it it's a yes. it's a peer-to-peer peer uh, e-commerce marketplace and uh, this is as i understand it and it makes it easy for people students to buy and sell their items with other students and uh, yes. so you post an item by smartphone and the people logging in can browse and buy items from anywhere at any time. Is that sort of sum it up? Yeah, it's pretty. It's it's pretty much spot on. How so does it work? Interestingly, well, interestingly enough, it it, it it's very simple. Uh, you're you're going to UCLA, you're going to USC, you're going to you know uh, University of Nevada or Mississippi or University of Miami, wherever. You simply download the 4.0 app, you log in with a Facebook Connect, uh, or sorry, you download the 4.0 app, and first thing it does is it finds any university within 10 miles of you. You find your university, and then you log in with Facebook Connect. Now you're in that university marketplace, okay? okay. So what's happening is it's, it's going to, what we're going to do is we're going to connect you with other students on campus. Now, the real question is like, why would you do that? Why would you not go to Craigslist? Well, a couple of reasons, right? So first of all, you know, well, I, I, I hope I wouldn't have to explain to people why people get worried about using Craigslist. There's a safety issue, correct? Yes. The other thing is, is you think about, do you know whether the person who's three dorm room down doors down from you is going to need something you have or not. You don't, you don't even know if they're necessarily taking the class that you took next semester. Cause you may not know them, but they might only be 15 feet away. Yes. So what Foro does is it gives students the ability to actually turn around and post products that they just either don't need or find products that they want from other students on campus. So <clears throat> as we all know that there's been a lot of, you know, a lot of pressure in the marketplace on things like the text-based uh, uh, buy-sell yeah. um, solutions are out there. There's, there's Virag, Let's Go. What's really unique about Foro and why I love Foro um, is because it gets kind of back to that, you know, early Facebook days where it's about the university. It's about those, every campus is a micro economy. Sure. And that's a really cool thing, right? And when you think about that and what we're doing with OpenIt, 
it's a really great way to kind of launch from there. And with, uh, you know, uh, with 6,000 campuses alone between Canada and the United States, there's just no shortage of opportunity. And I guess students would rather deal with other students if they can um, rather than somebody out there in the big bad world that they have no idea who they are or, and can't really relate to them. Yeah, no, 100%. And, 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 you know, I mean, it's interesting. It's very cyclical depending um, what time of year it is. So all year long, you see a lot of electronics getting posted. There's actually on for right now globally. There's 10,000 products, about a million dollars worth of product for sale on there. Yeah. And when you take a look at it, um, at the end of the year, textbooks. Right. Right. Because who, you know, you, you take it back to the, the bookstore, they give you 20 bucks, you paid 180 bucks. Yeah, that's and right. We all know, we, <laughs> we all know that that textbook is pretty much going to be the same one you're going to, somebody else is going to use next semester. And yep. so why should they, you know, why should they pay 180 bucks when somebody will sell it to them for 60? So that's kind of a really cool aspect of it too. Um, and then the other thing is if you're in your fourth year and you're graduating, why pay um, for storage or have to go, you know, storing furniture you don't need from your dormer or, or you know, or yeah. trying to go talk to somebody 30 miles away to go sell it when there's another student who's coming in who could just, you can literally walk across the campus, you know, uh, yep. meet at the student building, exchange uh, exchange goods and, and cash for it. Yep, I can relate to that. I have been there, done that. It is a pain in the butt. So that's a, yeah. Exactly. It sounds like a good idea exactly. if you can if you can do it with somebody who's just coming into town, moving into your neighbourhood, maybe even into the same building. It makes it a hell of a lot easier. Now, and, and I was going to say one thing: why I think Foro is so different from some of the other contemporaries that are very kind of big and and literally, Bob, just so you know, takes fifteen minutes to or sorry, fifteen minutes, less than fifteen seconds to post something for sale on Foro. Trying to count, open it and post something for sale. And what's really interesting about that is it's just it's it's ease of use. You gotta remember, you're gonna see these people. You're gonna see them every day and you're gonna build friendships. So it's very community based. And that's one of the things we just love about it. Right. I I can I can see that quite clearly. Now Foro, which for our listeners is F O R O. How yep. the hell did you come up with Foro? You know, three o'clock one morning, you go, ah, bingo, I just thought of a great name, Foro. That'll have people flooding well, in the door. How'd you come up well, with Well, it, 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 it's a great story. It's a great story. And so when we actually acquired, when Fundamental Applications acquired this app in um, April 2015, it was actually, it was built by a Stanford student and he was an IT guy who's a programmer, he's actually a young Canadian kid who was at Stanford, you know, where all all great things seem to come from, right? Right. And uh, yeah. he just wanted to sell his skis and he wanted a better way to do it. Right. So he created this app and Foro in Spanish means forum, okay. right? So that's why we love it. Okay, yeah. got it. So um, how does it work? You just, you take a photo of whatever the item is and you simply post, post it. it. And that's yeah, it. yeah, it's really, yeah, it's really that easy. You post it, so you put a short description. You put it, you put your price in on it, what you want for it, and then next thing you know, um, uh, people can. Uh, so let's say, for example, you you post your old rugby cleats on there, and I, you know, I want to, I'm looking for a pair of worn out old rugby cleats, and 
So what happens is uh, I go on and I type in rugby cleats or they just might be the first item that I see. Mm. Um, you're offering, you're offering, asking like $40. And, you know, so there's a little bit of an eBay thing in there. I can offer you 20 bucks and you can either accept or decline it. And then there's what the cool part is. There's actually a, a mapping system. So I can actually see that you're on campus so and not some dude. Uh, yeah. You walk yep. across the quadrangle and there you are. Right there. That's simple. Yeah. That's, that's nice big pictures. Very simple. Very easy. And I think that's probably the reason why, you know, in, in, in five months, we've got 10,000 products posted on there so quickly. That's fantastic. So does it, yes, does it how do you make your money? Great question. Um, you know, first and foremost, how you make your money in anything is providing value. The way we provide value in the app is actually what we're doing with Fora was by having a great user experience, right? Right. The idea being the longer somebody spends inside of the app um, uh, and they're more engaged, there's more value that's being perceived as such. It's okay to start to, you know, use targeted ads. So ads are, you know, I remember when, you know, the internet, you know, really kind of got kicked off and, and social media got going and ads were very taboo and it was a bad thing. The fact is, is, you know, I, I look at my 12 year old daughter and I ask her, I said, well, how do you feel about when an app pops up? She goes, well, if the app's free, it's just part of it, right? It's kind of like us watching TV. You yeah. got to get through the TV ad. So as long as they're targeted and they're properly approached, that's, that's one great way. And we've, uh, we did targeted ads already in, in specific geographic locations and they're working out quite well for us. Um, the other way that we're looking at it is, you know, how do we monetize those transactions? And we have to be careful about that because we don't sure. want to assume any unnecessary risk, you know. Yeah. So I sell you a textbook, but I ripped out 50 pages and then you want your money back. Well, who owns that responsibility? And the other thing is fees. We don't want to pass on fees to students. So we've got a couple of um, neat things where it's more like a, a, a chat page that we're uh, in development of right now. And then I think the most interesting thing is what you'll see is, you know, as, as when we look at our partnership with Open It, the ability to match like a student rewards, right? A st- sorry, a student discount. Right. So, for example, you know, if you're selling, somebody's selling a whole bunch of tennis stuff, you know, it would make a heck of a lot of sense for a retailer to offer student discounts, you know, around tennis sure. balls or running sure. shoes. Yeah, and the, I, think, I guess the great thing about just targeting college students is that it's so tightly targeted. I mean, you you know you're, yeah. not, you're not out there flogging all sorts of shit. You really can hone in on on um, specific demographics. I mean, it's a perfect target market. One one hundred percent, and you know the key the key to this demographic. And from what I've seen, and, and you know, uh, I have a great team of uh, uh, people that work for me and a whole bunch of them between 20 and 30, and I sit and I watch them, how they do it. You know, if they're not working, they're on social media. Yeah. First thing they do is they come off and they pick up their smartphones. And what they do, it's their way of discussion. It's their way of communication. And so content is king. And, you know, I've always proposed that um, that what's more content orientated than posting something that's yours. Yes. Right. And yep. so, and so that's very, that's a, a real truism. And, 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 you know, as, a, as, as I've alluded to with open it, it's all about content creation. So we're, uh, we're really kind of excited about, uh, uh, so you, these two great products coming together. So, yeah. So you've just, you just acquired 
open it, which is O P I N I T. What? Yes. What is it? So, uh, well, we just signed a letter of, uh, depending when this airs, we signed a letter of intent. Yes. Yep. <laughs> um, but there, there is, we're working through all those details right now. And, sure. and so open it is, I'd like to think about, think about it this way. It's, it, well, there's some great ads that you can go out there. You can do capture images and then, you know, you, you, you post it and it shows up and they're worth billions of dollars. Right. Yep. And so, um, what open it, how open it works is not only does it allow you to capture images, but you can, you know, go out and do a text grab of your quote of the day or an article that you love or even a video. So for example, um, uh, you know, I was just in Toronto at the Rogers Cup watching tennis, and uh, and so, for example, uh, you know, at the end of it, I I looked at the leaderboard and I and I took a snapshot, and 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 then, you know, what Opinit allows you to do is actually attach emoticons to this right. stuff. Okay. So I put like these thumbs up, happy faces, and then you know, my guy, you know, the Canadian. Uh, uh, Milo's got bummed out, so I put on happy face and I grabbed some stuff off the web and I and I posted it on Opinit. So Opinit is it's it, it's like um, it's as I would say it's it's the best of a lot of different products coming together. But what's really cool and different? It allows you to grab any content anywhere online and yep. actually put your emotions around how you feel around it through emoticons. And why that is so powerful. Think about it from a retailer's aspect, right? Yep. So if there's 10,000 open posts and you know what, you know, that 35% of people, you know, love, you know, Wimbledon tennis. Wow. Well, it might make a lot of sense to be an advertiser on in, for, around those posts, right? Sure, sure. And, and so what we're actually doing in the direction and vision that the open and the, and the 4.0 team see together is we actually see the ability if you're once again a UCLA student and you play varsity tennis to actually post something from Wimbledon using your open it app yep. and then it'll show up like on a on a portal like on a mobile site okay. and then anybody who has anything from 4.0 from their 4.0 app that has anything related to do with tennis from UCLA will right. show up right beside it. So think okay. about that. That's incredible. It's content creating commerce yep. In, yep. in a closed loop environment. And that's why we say then a student discount program just makes so much sense. Great way to catch attention. Um, if, I yes, was lis- if I was listening to you, I would say this guy's probably, you know, I don't know, 35, 40 year old, sophisticated <laughs> businessman. We're actually at heart. You're just a freshman, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm actually. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as my kids say, as my kids say, Dad, you're really you're 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 like you're 50 turning 12, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I'm pretty passionate about it, and, and I'm you know I'm I'm very kind of uh, grateful for the experiences that I've had, like. Um, in my life to kind of allow me to get to this point to do all these great things and 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 to have this level of passion and bring this skill set and as you say in your uh, on your radio shows to have that experience to know when to you know when to let let other people step in front and and also when to be able to take the right advice and and then you know work hard every day Every day, there's there's no exceptions to you know it's the ten thousand hour rule, right? Yep. There's three ways to be successful: work hard. Number two is work hard, and number three is work hard. 
That's it. Exactly. If you've exactly. got a, you've got a clear vision and a focus and you work hard, you will get a, providing your product's not a dog, but if, if the product's half good, you will succeed. It, it's not yeah. easy, but you will succeed. So um I can just imagine when we get off this call, you're going to go out and see if you can catch some Pokemon in the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to, once we get off this call, I'm going to figure out how to get more Foro and Opinion users. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you, you know, one of, one of the things is, and it's interesting, uh, I, I was uh, talking with a partner of ours in the States, and they said, and they actually asked me that question. They said, what's your drive around certain things? And, you know, I... I spent, uh, I was very fortunate enough to serve my country and I spent a certain amount of years in the army and I was a paratrooper and uh, all that good kind of stuff. And I learned that you don't get from any place unless you're putting one foot in front of the other. And, sure. um, and, and I translated that into business experience. My first job out, out of the army, I was at university, I had to pay for school. So I sold encyclopedias door to door back in the day. And what a great way to actually learn how to work, right? Yeah. And uh, that's just never left me. So I, I, I enjoy every day I get an opportunity to come to work. That's really good training because one of the reasons a lot of businesses fail is that they don't knock on enough doors. They get tired of being rejected. You know, they get rejected five or six times and they say, screw this. You know, I don't want to do this. I'll pivot or I'll change or I'll do something else. And you know, it's it's a numbers game, and one of the great things about doing door to door is you learn how to cope with rejection. You learn how to re-focus um, your message. You, it, yeah. It's really great experience. It it, it, it yeah, you're 100 percent right, and, and and anybody on my team, it's I, I always counsel my go. And then they go, if, they're, if they hit a hard spot or they get frustrated, and, and, and I just say, you know what? You just don't realize how close you are. Yeah. You just, you know, all those, all those wrong doors, you just don't have to walk through again. What a great relief, right? Yeah. And so, and then the nice thing is when you get, you get a little bit older and wiser, you, you know, you, you just don't have to walk through as many wrong doors anymore, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, so let's go back to Foro. Obviously, it's going very well and the yep. take up in India is quite extraordinary. What's the reception in the U.S. to Foro? Is it is it really strong? How fast is it growing? Uh, it's growing. We're actually getting, um, last time I checked, I mean, it, we slowed down and we had the acquisition. So our advertising, you don't, you don't try to like do too much advertising um, in the summertime because the fact is, is you're sure. just, you're burning money, right? Yeah. Not um, but when we were running full strength, um, you know, my CFO might argue with me on this, but you know, we, we were, we had an incredible growth rate. I, I believe we were growing at a rate of over like 16 to 70% week after week in usage wow. in the United States. Yeah. And, and we quickly went, what I can tell you is, and, and just so you know, users are kind of like leaving the window open and, you know, some flies come in and then leave and go. And it seems like always the same amount, but, you know, people come and go, right? That's sure. the nature of the beast sure. with, with, with the app. But one of the things that we did do is we were on five campuses, then we went to 25 campuses, and now we're actually being used over 500 campuses across Canada and the United States. It's perfect for word of mouth because these people see each other every day. And you know, I just I just sold all my books from the end of at the end of last semester. How did you do that? I did it through Foro. Jeez, how did 
show me how to do it. What, what do I got to do? I can understand that the word of mouth would be fantastic. Yeah, 100%. And, and, you know, one of the things you always have to be cognizant of in this business, it does cost money to get your name out there, right? You do sure. have to hit, you're going to have, whether you engage, let's say, um, you know, like a celebrity to promote that cost, or you do something like, which has been very effective us. And I'd recommend to anybody is, um, Facebook, uh, app ads downloads. Once you learn, yeah. actually learn that art, yeah. you're always going to pay a certain amount per download where you start getting really good is if you pay for one, how many free do you get? Do you get none? Do you get one? Do you get two? Do you get three? Do you get four? And then you'll get your true user acquisition cost. And then you'll see how scalable your business actually can be. Right. Right. Um, the, what other acquisitions have you got on the horizon? Do you, I, I guess you get to see thousands of apps. How do you determine um, which ones? Because a lot, a lot of the things that I get, for example, are not quite there. They need some tweaking. They need, you know, they've thought it through, but they yeah. haven't quite thought it through enough. Um, so somebody sends you an app that they've created. What's your process before you decide, you know, we can use this and we can meld this into our system? What's, what's your process? Well, first and foremost, you know, always we know what we're looking for, so we're we're very active and 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 going out and trying to find you know what we want, right? And as you can imagine, with 1.9 million apps on the App Store, how many aren't even on the App Store? Sure. So, so there's there's no shortage to look for. One of the key things too is is you nailed it earlier. It's about the people because they you know. It, more than likely they will work with us on these projects to help with the integration and get going. And we want to make sure that the code base is stable. That's always a big thing. Um, that the product is supportable, that has expansion, that, uh, you know, that, um, we have the ability to kind of grow it into the scale, you know, uh, for example, um, you know, there's one thing on Brad Moore's mind and at the end of February, we're going to have 750,000 users for, for between the four independent solution. And, you know, um, uh, what we do to facilitate that road and how we get there is, is if it's adding value, you get 750,000 users, there's a good chance it'll be included. If it's not, we're not. And the reason why that number is so important to us is because, as you know, as we're a publicly traded company, we see we see based on the market comparables. In my opinion, we see this uh, our users being worth two hundred dollars a user. Right. You know, if you have seven hundred fifty million or seven hundred fifty thousand of them, you're a real player. You, you know, are very, very, yeah, very few apps very get beyond out of the valley of death, which is like up to 30,000 users. And we're well beyond that right now. So if, if, if the product is not helping facilitate, um, that 750,000 user mark, like it won't create engagement that will get more kids using it and bringing it and adding value you don't then want for us right now. We're not interested in it. No. Okay. Well, we're, yeah. we're just about out of talent, time. But what's the biggest yes, challenge? What's the biggest challenge that you've faced getting to where you are now? Well, I, I, I think it's you know it's it, it's a great question. I'm, I tend to be a bit of an optimist, so it's you know everything is lemon in the lemonade for me, right? And me too. So <laughs> probably, yeah, yeah. You know, people people ask me that, and they go, "Well, the summer's slow," and you know, all I can say is, this summer we went out and we acquired Opinit. So it wasn't that bad for me. I I think it's like anything. It's, it's, you know, people are busy. There's a lot of things that are in front of them. Right. 
And so our job is, you know, how do we get to be top of mind? What does it take to be top of mind for that 17 to 22 year old at university? So they go, this is great. This is, this is actually a really cool solution. And because we know if we can do that once, we can do it twice, we can do it five million times. Sure, sure. Brad Moore, thank you very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. I really do appreciate it. Now, you can – Fundamental Applications Corporation is the biggest bloody name I've ever seen. So when you go to look it up, it's easy. You go to Fun App. Corp. So that's F-U-N-A-P-P-C-O-R-P dot com. So don't go out there and try to find that fundamental applications corporation. Too bloody hard. You make too many mistakes typing it in. But funappcorp.com is easy. Brad, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. And I'll be back with Thank more you. of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice of America Business Network right after this short break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Absolutely No Bullshit Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. And we're the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs on the planet. And this week we're broadcasting for Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles, where technology meets entertainment. You know, I can order flowers via a bot on Facebook Messenger. I can buy a new book at the touch of a button. I can lock in a manicure and a facial in a couple of seconds. I can book at a restaurant and then be reviewed by anyone online. Now, this makes customer service critical to business success. Consumers have more choice and less time than they've ever had before. And they're overwhelmed by this choice and they will make selections from the testimonials that uh, are listed online, their loyalty to your brand, and then with their dollars. Forbes, in their analysis of the biggest trends in customer service in 2016, concluded that customer service and customer experience is the new marketing. It's also an essential component of any business. Customer service has always mattered, always. But now you have to really excel. You have to really stand out. Being good, you went for a period where 20 years ago you had to be good. Probably 10 years ago you had to be awesome. Five years ago you had to knock people's socks off. Today you have to really bloody excel. Otherwise you don't get noticed. And um, customer service is the cornerstone of any successful business. And the importance of customer service isn't new. What's new is the sheer volume of choice that we have now. It, um, no matter what it is that you're selling, there's more choice for the consumers than ever before. Therefore, the difference between you and your competitor is probably going to come down to outstanding customer service experience. The other major shift is the role that social media plays. A satisfied or a dissatisfied consumer has a large voice now on social media. Now, businesses need to use that 
to their advantage by providing exceptional customer service and ignoring customer issues can lead to not only losing that customers for life, but their network and in worst case have become a crisis management issue if it blows up. A bad consumer experience will always be remembered. According to a survey by Consumer Reports, 92% of customers will not do business a second time if they've had a bad experience the first time round. Meanwhile, according to BI Intelligence New Customer Service Report, 60% of consumers in the US have, ab- have abandoned intended per have abandoned an intended purchase <laughs> due to poor customer service, and it alone will take 12 positive experience to negate the effect of that one bad one. And, uh, you know, research has shown that people are more likely to trust a word-of-mouth recommendation for a friend or a family member than any form of advertising. And good customer service creates a loyal customer who will spend more and spend that more more often. So in this digitally focused, highly competitive world, you've got to put the needs of your customers first. You also need to be on the same channels that your customers are. Now, a survey of teenagers by variety shows that YouTubers are more popular than traditional media stars. So the survey compared the influence of YouTube stars and traditional media figures among teenage consumers. The um, respondents favoured the new media influences over their traditional media contemporaries. The survey asked respondents between 13 and 18 a series of questions about 20 recognisable stars. Ten of these stars built their careers on YouTube, while the other ten were traditional entertainment celebrities. The surprise was that the top five scores all belonged to YouTube stars. Schmosh came first, followed by the Fine Brothers, PewDiePie, KSI and Ryan Heger. The highest rated traditional media star was the recently deceased Paul Walker, who came in sixth. The surprise was that Walker is more popular and influential than Jennifer Lawrence or Katy Perry. Now, who would have picked that? I wouldn't have. Now, when you consider that the total TV audience in prime time, including all networks and cable, is less than 50 million, and a PewDiePie can attract 70 million viewers plus, none of these results are surprising. It also explains how PewDiePie makes $15 million a year on YouTube, more than George Stephanopoulos makes on the ABC network. So um, I think it's because they're, you know, the stars are very natural, approachable, authentic, They're similar in age and they share the interests and lifestyle of their audience and uh, that's exactly what makes YouTube so appealing. So YouTube's massive influence on young audiences can't be denied and if Variety's results are to be believed, this influence is only getting stronger. A new business tool to help businesses get better reviews online, push out negative reviews and dramatically increase your Google status and then push the good reviews out across a wide range of social platforms is available. It is a great product. It's called betterreviews.com. Check it out, betterreviews.com. I guarantee you improve your um, um, results online dramatically. Now, I'll see you again next week. In the meanwhile, remember that if you're not really pushing the envelope and you're not living on the edge, then you're simply taking up too much space. It's easier and much more rewarding 
to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. Now, I invite you to go to my website, bobpritchard.com, enroll for my daily newsletter. You get it every day, but it only takes 30 seconds to read and it will keep you up to date with all the business news that is important. Next week, I will again broadcast from the studio on Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles where technology meets entertainment. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.